0: Hey listeners, this week's episode features Amanda Taylor, CEO and founder of Unplug Collective. If you haven't heard of Unplug, then you should definitely be following them on IG, so do that now. If you are already following, you know it's a platform for Black women and gender expansive people to share stories about mental health and body discrimination. Unplug has received recognition from major publications such as Vogue, Forbes, and InStyle, to name a few. Not only do Amanda and her team tell stories, but they provide educational content to take a deeper dive into these narratives. Amanda and I met a few weeks ago when she and her friend and COO of Unplug, Zara, hosted a workshop for the Black Women ERG at my company. This conversation with Amanda centers around perfectionism, which is definitely a topic that Unplug has covered. We discussed perfectionism in many different forms in this interview, from what we eat, how we talk, and how society projects the definition of what we consider perfection. Perfectionism is a vulnerable topic. I know I'm guilty of being concerned around using the right language, behaving a certain way in certain settings, and making sure I look a certain way. Overall, I have a bit of an obsession of appearing to be polished gen z might be coming for our skinny jeans and middle parts but they're really killing it in the realm of having these tough conversations so let's get into the interview welcome to episode 22 of define normal this week we're talking about perfectionism with amanda and amanda i'm so excited to have you on the show Uh, please introduce yourself tell the listeners a little bit about you
1: well i'm so excited to be here thank you for having me Uh, my name is amanda i am the founder and ceo all that fancy stuff of the Unplugged Collective, which I started in my freshman year of college, kind of as a space particularly for Black women and Black non-binary people to talk about their experiences with mental health, physical health, body discrimination, just an accessible space to have conversations that we weren't really allowed to have before. I'm really grateful that it's still up and running
0: and still going almost three years later. Yeah, that's me. I love Unplug and I just am so inspired by what you put together. There are so many conversations that you're having and as I'm scrolling through the Instagram page that I wish I was having growing up and now to be 28 years old almost and just diving into these conversations is so exciting. So I know recently when we met, you gave a workshop at uh, my company about perfectionism and just all the things that we're working through and honestly, so many women were inspired. I got so much good feedback from that so I could not help myself I selfishly had to grab you for a podcast episode and I want to talk a little bit about perfectionism and just unpack what that means so like my first question to you is what do we think the root of perfectionism is and maybe even we take a step back like how would we define it for me I think about my need to be perfect at work and like am I sending the right thing in an email is my outfit okay for where I'm going but even before we talk about the root how would you define it
1: It's interesting because I think there's always the, like, textbook psychology definition, which I've learned about in school, and then there's the definition that I have, and I don't mean to drag psychologists at all because I think that there's so much... I know I think I know that that's a, a field that has helped me so much to name things that I've experienced but sometimes I feel like the definitions are kind of lacking especially when it comes to talking about white supremacy and how white supremacy and racism and all of those things affects the definition so like textbook definition would say you have self-oriented perfectionism which is this like your relationship to perfectionism and then you have kind of like socially what's it called socially prescribed perfectionism which is like a other people's way of relating to you and seeing you and how you like try to be perfect based on that. And I guess my definition would be like, both of those two things are intertwined. So I think for me, as you said, perfectionism is like having to live up to other people's standards that I put on myself based on what I think other people are perceiving. I don't think self and the other are separated, especially for black women. While I guess some people may disagree or like textbook psychology may may put like a, a, a hard line between those two.
0: And so when we talk about perfectionism, do you think the root of it is mostly tied to white supremacy? Are we saying that, you know, white people are often thought of as the standard and the norm. And so we tie as black women and as black people in general, we tie our perfectionism to what they project as norms.
1: I think it depends on like what lens you're looking at it in. So like you know, I grew up in Jamaica. I don't, I didn't really grow up around white people. Does white supremacy still exist in different forms that aren't so obvious, like capitalism as the root of white supremacy, or you know, classism, or just different ways that like these oppressive structures exist, even if there's no physical white person there. It would be my opinion that a lot of it is rooted in that. I definitely think there are some elements of it that aren't but i think at least for me my perfectionism came from what i was taught in school what i was taught at home and both of those things are deeply rooted in colonialism and like i mean i grew up in jamaica and you know we just got independence like in 1962 so that's like these these real like ideas of what you need to be how you need to be respectable how you need to present yourself as a woman like make yourself small speak in this way even if it's not you know womanhood and femininity it's it's work hard and you'll be successful and what does work hard mean and how are those things all tied to white supremacy I would argue that at least for me it is
0: I would agree for me it is too I don't think it's something I realized until I got older I just thought that it was tied to who I wanted to be. But then when I looked at who we were looking at as the prototype, it often wasn't people who look like me because you think about experiences. And I'd be curious to hear yours as someone who's originally from Jamaica, like in the States, most things we compare, like we're looking at whiteness as the pinnacle. So like if you're talking a certain way, it's inappropriate because that's not how the majority of people talk. Or if you're using certain slang or even like music, food, like outside of black people, we kind of ostracize anyone who does anything that's not, white like i i've had so many experiences that i've shared on this podcast and not that have like it's normal in my house but might not be normal like in the sphere of whiteness
1: i talked about this it's kind of embarrassing but i did a ted talk in high school and i was like basically trying to say all of this but i just didn't really have all of the language yet and it was just about the ways that like whiteness can exist even when white people aren't there and I guess that's kind of like the theme for me here in this conversation is like yeah I grew up seeing people who looked like me in positions of power and I didn't really have the same relationship to like white people being the the pinnacle but of course like I saw people trying to aspire to whiteness in front of me so like You know as you said like speaking a certain way even food like what food is considered healthy and not healthy is something that is very charged and has a lot to do with like i mean it's like you'll see on these nutritionist pages like a small clear glass of orange juice and that's like so healthy with with your nutritious breakfast and then you'll see like orange juice in a box and it's like that's disgusting and horrible and whatever it's like a lot of it has to do with class and all of this stuff so I mean I could go on and on about like different places and spaces that whiteness shows up but I think it is really like the root of a lot of this
0: yeah, the nutrition point is really interesting because I just reposted a TikTok to my, or I guess a reel because it was on Instagram. I reposted a reel about a nutritionist saying, like, this is clean eating. And she shows, like, it's usually predominantly white people. And it's, like, these plates of rainbow food in water. And she's, like, the only way to clean eat. And you see her, like, washing a dish. Like, there's no such thing as clean eating. And that's been my experience, too. It's kind of what you said about your TED Talk. I had a hard time articulating what exactly I was going through, even in my 20s, because I think about... Really charged situations like the Condé Nast Cafeteria, which is exactly like the Devil Wears Prada, where, like, if you get something that's unhealthy, you feel weird getting it because everyone's at the salad bar. And, like, I had so many weird conversations internally about food and what I was eating and who saw me eat what, which wasn't my norm. Like at my home, I've like very Southern parents and we honestly eat whatever we want. (laughs) But Like I had this, like, should I be eating that? Should I be eating this? It's weird. Like this person's saying they don't eat this. And I'm like, Whoa, I've never thought about this more in my life, but like it came from this, like I need to be skinny soul cycle, like culture. And so that's not a norm in my home, but it's like something that I was picking up. So I think, Obviously, that's rooted in perfectionism because you want to you want to fit like your clothes and you want to like look a certain way. Um, So that's a whole thing.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why I would argue that perfectionism, a lot of it has to do with white supremacy and a lot of it has to do with basically like taking the buzzword white supremacy away and just thinking, what does what does white supremacy require us to do what ways are different institutions asserting to us that we aren't good enough based on things that we can't control or based on things that don't come natural to us whether that's like the way we speak the way that we eat the way that we dress the way that we you know converse the things that make us happy like how many times are we being asked to like shrink ourselves and make ourselves smaller and I think basically like with perfectionism when it's tied to white supremacy it takes away our ability to show up in the world in a way that actually feeds us and doesn't require us to be perceived by others and to like use that perception as the only thing that makes us valuable so it's like you're in that cafeteria The question should not be what the question should not be, you know, like, what are other people thinking I should eat? What what should I eat because of this? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like it literally should just be like, okay, I'm in this cafeteria today. What do I feel for? Do I need energy right now? do i need iron am i low on do i need meat today because i'm low on iron do i like what what do i feel for and it just takes us it strays us so far away from like what does my body need right now like am i actually hungry am i full is a like you know when people say they don't eat this and they don't eat that that's hopefully a choice that's being made because you're like oh I don't really want to eat dairy because, you know, dairy didn't make me feel well today. But ten, nine out of ten times, it's I don't want to eat this because I don't want my body to change. And why don't you want your body to change? Because of things that are completely external. And I think that's kind of what people miss in the whole, or not people, but sometimes like mainstream body positivity completely misses that. Because it's like, we're not, at least at unplug we're not aiming to make everyone love their bodies because that like puts so much pressure on the individual in a world that like treats people differently based on the bodies that they're in what we're aiming for is people to be able to see their bodies as like whole beings that aren't just for others satisfaction but have like needs and actually our bodies like love us and like do so much to keep us alive so like being in tune with that and not just like what others expect of our bodies is like so important but I think perfectionism really strays us away from being able to like be present in that if that makes sense very very abstract
0: no it totally makes sense it takes away your intuition so Mm -hmm. the things that you would like I'd be in the cafeteria being like maybe I do want a salad today or like I'm really craving a sandwich or whatever for whatever reason like it takes away your moment to think about your intuition and even working out I think has that relationship of like Mm -hmm. I should work out because Mm -hmm. I want my body to stay the same regardless of what I eat or to look better and it's Mm -hmm. like very, very stressful because I think I'm a person who works out because I like working out. Mm -hmm. It's not really about aesthetics. It's like, I just am grateful to be able to move my body and like not have chronic pain, to be honest, Mm -hmm. Um, because that's something so many people live with. And so Mm -hmm. I think the whole culture of you need to work out for this or like when you are losing weight or whatever, your body's changing and people comment on it. I think that's very like, that makes me very uncomfortable, but it feels uncomfortable to say Mm-hmm. a lot of the times because again we're celebrating perfectionism we're not thinking about we're not intuitively thinking how that person feels are they sick are they struggling with food like whatever it may be like you just should maybe keep it to yourself perhaps uh, yeah. <laughs> like you know, to be quiet yeah. <laughs> I want to also talk about how we combat some of this so we just talked a lot about all this perfection what it means and what people are going through but I have to say and i said this at the beginning of the call i really am celebrating how gen z has kind of stepped outside of this perfectionism i mean it's not perfect but you're having the conversations i mean the unplugged collective is so fun to follow just because you're calling out some of this behavior and not only calling out but educating people so what are some of the ways you combat perfectionism or even have these conversations
1: i think for us it's always just like this is a collective thing i can combat and i've done it like so much in quarantine just combating Um, A lot of it is combating the voices that we hear in our heads, and they're not your fault. So I think, one, they're not your fault. Two, they're not the truth, because there is no truth. So when you hear things in your head like, oh, I'm so ugly, or I'm so this, or I'm so that, like, that's not something you made up. That's coming from somewhere. That's coming from some kind of conditioning that you've received. But it's also just like we can, you know, look back at our parents now, and we can be like, you know... You said some things that weren't really that true. Like, at the time, I thought you were, you know, the, you know, most, like, godly human being on earth. And you are. You're amazing. But you also didn't know everything. I think we can also, like, go back to those voices in our heads that oftentimes did come from things that our parents said or, like, adults said growing up to us and say, mm that wasn't really the reality like i deserve love and care regardless regardless of what i think of myself and regardless of like you know these really really mean voices in my head and i know a lot of us have them so i think that's like a first step but i think also having community around you that doesn't accept these negative things that you say about yourself as truth and can provide like a new space where you're like yeah you know what I am like I am completely valid without being perfect like I am allowed to like slip up in my relationships I'm I don't have to be like on point all the time I can communicate to to my friends when I've when I'm not feeling in in a great mood if I do something to hurt my friend then they can come to me and say hey I didn't really like that you did this but it doesn't mean that they're disposing of me or that they're discarding me and I think we've live in a very like carceral society like especially now there's just so many ways that you can be disposed of like in an instance and that's not just like a joke that's not just like like of course like holding people accountable and having these necessary accountability processes are extremely important but i mean on like a carceral level like people can just be like jailed and, and and that hasn't been like that's not new but this idea that like you are to be punished for bad behavior is a way that we're all kind of conditioned and so i think like it's gonna take collective conversation and conditioning to allow people to just like show up as they are and 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 to be allowed to like make mistakes and to be allowed to basically like i'm even thinking of like black brunch and like what black brunch means um to to community and it's like you know maybe we can show up in sweats one day to brunch like you know maybe 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 this sunday is an off day and then maybe next sunday will be on point you know just like little little things like that where there's like all of these standards allowing space in your small communities to kind of like relieve yourself of some of those things or find slow small ways to like be imperfect whatever imperfect means to you
0: I love that and I love the example of our own community because I think oftentimes it becomes like it goes back as we said it's rooted in white supremacy but like there are things in our own group without any white people around that we carry so it's like whether Mm -hmm. it's having your nice outfits at brunch or just like at work I realize there's a lot of perfectionism from black peers to like show up in a certain way and I think sometimes I feel really difficult about that because I'm like I understand why you're saying that you're not trying to be harmful you're saying in order to like what you want or like to show up in a certain way you should act this way but Mm. it can be very damaging because why like at the end of the day it's like why do i have to answer my emails this way why do i have to show up this way in meetings maybe my my way of acting actually adds something you know like you showing up yourself to conversations and and like all the perspectives like you being from jamaica like me being from like mostly white ohio like if i acted like everyone else i think my perspective would be lost so i think that's awesome
1: that's such a great point and i think it speaks to this idea that like question like what is truth like what is truth and what is reality and like when people impose a truth onto you and say like you should show up this way because this is going to get you from point a to point b it's very easy especially growing up as a black person to be honest like there there are things that you're told and they're and and they're like whether they're proverbs or just like thing you know i'm talking about like the way you're raised it's like you shouldn't do this because this is exactly what's going to get you to this and this and this and it's like i think when we're at least for me when i'm in positions where there is some kind of authority being put onto me of like you need to do this because if you don't do this then this and this i'm like very easy it's very easy for me to lose sight of my own truth i'm like oh like i get like shaken up and i'm like maybe they know more than i do because of my relationship to authority and because like you're supposed to speak when you're spoken to and all, all of these things so when you're in like um situations where you have pairs and people who are telling you like you should do this in order to do this really step back and be like mm, do i like really like flip the script and be like well that's your truth but like there are multiple truths like do i actually have to do that and like nine out of ten times at least with unplug we haven't done shit that is like the standard of what you're supposed to do whether that's the fashion space the journalism space the wellness space nothing we've done has actually like if i went to journalism school they would tell me that i'm not doing anything right and like it's working for me like it's just yeah i just think there there are multiple truths and i think your truth is also someone else's you know what i mean like you saying like oh i want to show like there someone's truth is you know you show up to work looking a certain way that's not going to get you the desired outcome but your desired outcome might be different from theirs and there might be someone else in that space who has the same desired outcome as you do and you'll connect based on that you know, based on showing up authentically in the way that you want to. So yeah, I think you're like on on the money with that example.
0: I'm trying to be because I've, I've had to unravel it, right? It's harmful. I think it's been harmful for me to come into spaces and I'm like, I should be dressed this way. I should say this, I should say that. And I, sometimes after calls, I think we were on a call together and my coworker was like, Oh my God, like Shelby showed up with a deck and I did not And you corrected her on the call and you were like, don't do that. Like, (laughs) it's cool that Shelby has a deck and you don't, but like, it's really just, this is a conversation. You don't have to like qualify and call out that you're not showing up perfectly. Mm. And I love that. And to be honest, since that call, I've been carrying that a bit. I had a call yesterday with my manager, where I was like, I almost felt like I was being too honest, because that's like a very on brand thing for me, where I say everything that comes to my head. And I've been taught to like, not do that. Because they're like, sometimes your opinions are like, very jarring. Although I find them to be like, what everyone else wants to say, but I just like spit it out. And so I was on a call with my manager, and I said something really honest. And after the call, I was like, should I have said that? Like, why did I say that? And I ended up netting out at like, I'm glad I said that, because she knows where I really am, regardless of what happens. Like, this is what I think, this is the truth, this is my truth, and, like, if it shakes out in a weird way, it is what it is, but, like, and then I thought about it, I'm like, you didn't even say anything that crazy. You're just yeah. so obsessed with the optics of the right time to say things and the, and how you said it and was it appropriate, and it's going to take a lifetime of unlearning, I'm convinced.
1: No, but that's that's the difficulty, too, of, like, this whole conversation is, like, how can we actually like unlearn these things when saying what you really want to say and showing up as you are? I'm not saying this is the case for you and the company that you work at, but for a lot of people saying the wrong thing could get them like punished in in a real way, like in, in the world where we like, literally have to live and be sustained off of money and money is the thing that like is keeping your world going then I think a lot of people end up having to stay in places and spaces that like they can't really show up as they are and I think what is difficult and where Unplugged tries to bring this conversation is like when you can't show up as you are and that's kind of like a lofty way of saying like you can't Every single time you have emotions that are sitting on on the surface but can't actually be expelled, they still linger. They don't actually go anywhere. So the problem is that, like, that can turn into things like joint pain. That can turn into things like adrenal fatigue, which is, like, you're so stressed out that you have a medical diagnosis of burnout because you no longer, like, can basic like your cortisol is like blown like all of these things like there are very real health outcomes when you are not when you're basically having to to exist in a way where you don't get to express yourself and people don't take that seriously and people just think well you're conditioned especially as a woman to like show up and whatever and we all do it so then why does it have any real it doesn't have any real outcomes but like Stress is tied to literally almost every illness. So I just wish it was taken more seriously and I'm glad that we're having this conversation because as I said, like it, it can really affect people in ways they may not be aware of or in ways that like you step into a doctor's office, they may not make that connection for you. And there's reasons for that as well.
0: Right. That you're hiding in plain sight. Like people don't realize how much of that takes mm-hmm. a toll on you to think about your every move and, and process it like through a filter. Mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about unplugged collective and you shared a little bit in your intro about the fact that you started it, but I'd love to hear more. Of course I know what it is and I follow, but for the mm-hmm. listeners, like I want to hear more, I want to hear more about like why you started it. I also think like the context of you being in college and starting it is really interesting. Like what, what drove it? And also like, tell us about your team. Tell us about, tell us about the whole operation.
1: Yes. Um. So I got to college. I go to an Ivy league in New York city, like, this was everything that was on my vision board since I was like 12 and I think when you spend a long time wanting it can be really jarring to get to somewhere and it's not this perfect world and you're like what's happening and I think especially because social media was in full swing at the time I mean still is this is New York so everyone's posting that they're in Soho and doing this and doing that and then I would like walk around and I would see people looking so sad and I would just be like where's the disconnect like why does this place feel so dead? Um, what's going on? And of course, that wasn't everyone's experience, but at least for me, I started having like really, really high levels of anxiety. I mean, I always had anxiety, but like my first semester of college was through the roof. and there was basically just no one really giving me a space to talk about it, at, at least not in 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 a candid way, in a way that was just like in a group setting as well because of course, like the college had all these mental health services, but like, I didn't really have a space to talk about it. And even in terms of just like sitting with friends, you can't just be like, hey guys, like how depressed are you? I mean, like maybe now, but like in 2019, not really. So yeah, I was like, something's off here. It was really just like an intuition thing. I was like, I'm going to make my own website, not a web designer or anything. I'm just going to make a website. I posted on my Instagram story. Hey guys, do you want to tell any stories? I want to basically create a space where you can say what you've never been able to say. And, like, I don't know what that really looks like, but I know that I want it to focus on mental health. I want it to focus on body discrimination. Literally in, like, two weeks, I had so many stories. It it still jars me to this day. And eventually I had enough stories to post for, like, a year, even if I, like, didn't source out stories again. Like, and I... I know, and I didn't even have, like, a big social media platform. People were just, it started with, like, my school and then people from other schools, whatever, because it was just, like, also, I wanted people to have an opportunity to have, like, a published story without having to go through this, like, big hierarchy of, like, you have to submit, blah, blah, blah. I was just, like, send me a Google Doc. I'll read it. I'll edit it. If I like it, if I think it works with the mission, I'll post it. You can post it in your bio. You can say you're a published whatever, author, writer, and it has to be from the eye perspective, all of that stuff. And I basically found that people, everyone was telling stories about, like, what it meant to be in their body, and I realized there was no real, like, term for that. So I guess I've we've started calling it, like, body discrimination because it's not just about, like, one thing. It could be, like, you know, someone struggling because of, like, you know, an eating disorder, medical discrimination, or someone struggling because of, like, you know, their skin tone and, like, colorism, and, or someone struggling because of transphobia, like, all of these different, like, umbrella things, but, like, not in a buzzword way, just like, this is my story, this is how I'm struggling, and that's so personal for each person, and once I started getting these stories, I realized that they were actually very heavy, And there were actual names and, like, educational tools that could be used to help combat those things. So I didn't want it to just be on the writer to have to, like, explain away everything they're going through. I wanted the community. I felt like, okay, someone can write about their experience with medical discrimination, but the community is not really going to fully understand if not everyone has been through that. We, We were like, how can we put together, like all this history and make it like accessible. So of course there are people who are doing it, but I think Unplug actually really coined some of it. Like it's kind of become like something, something deep. But at the time we were like, you know, how can we make really complicated information accessible? And so we started, or I started the Instagram page and Zara, who also spoke at our workshop, was like a friend who was like you know giving me advice on how to structure things and you know the team just grew from there and now we have like a team of black women who are all amazing and who are all doing different things so we have like content pr editors operations design like all of these really cool things and we're hoping to basically just change the way that the industry functions entirely like how do ads function like are they you know forcing something onto you or are you actually like connecting with this product how do stories function are they is someone telling your story for you or are you telling your story how does fashion function all of these different things so we're like working to you know take over the world and, and that and I'm really really happy like honestly it's great it's it's wild how something that was just like literally in my brain to see it like become something that's so much bigger than me is like so jarring but like actually very very amazing because i needed i and i needed it like i really did and like i still do and so to have like so many people on the team like supporting it and like expanding the mission is like it's just it's so amazing
0: it's so impressive and honestly so many people needed it i didn't know the story of it just being originally stories that people were writing in and i think that goes to show how much we've all internalized and like if you put pen to paper it's like no this is my experience and that's been my favorite part about reading it to be honest like they're all very candid but then you do follow up with like here's some history here's some infographics like just kind of breaking it all down for everyone because I think people do get a little caught up and even starting this podcast this was like a insecurity of mine when you speak like an authority on something people start to question like oh well what makes you the authority and what do you know but you do it in such a way where I feel like there is this reality and these real like candid firsthand stories but then it's also like okay but this is also like what's going on (laughs) like here's some history here's some facts here's an infographic and I think that partnership is perfect because I feel it's human but I feel like I'm also really learning things thank
1: you that is a huge compliment and something that we try extremely hard to do so it's good when people notice
0: no you're nailing it I would love to know where you see yourself taking it because you're you're in college now and like this is a, a hell of an accomplishment of something that you've done while you're in school but do you see yourself continuing to build this or are there other things you want to do when you're done with school
1: absolutely I mean right now everyone's doing the work volunteer and like we have wanted to switch to like you know being a real business that can actually like pay people um but we've been waiting on the right thing to do that with because we want to make sure that we're actually like there's a communal exchange with our community and we're not just like selling something um but we are doing two really cool things soon which is one we're doing a print magazine um which is just going to be so cool i think to have people like physically hold this content in their hands and be able to like instead of the front cover saying like five ways to lose weight. It'll say, like, five ways to, you know, repair your relationship with food or something like that. And, like, having, like, the real visual representation, especially of, like, plus-size models in people's hands. I think, especially after a pandemic where, like, everything has been digital, is going to be really, really nice. And we're also trying to do size inclusive fashion as well oh so my God. yeah yeah yeah. and then also just in general we've done like a couple partnerships so we have partnered with nike and just like being able to create content and you know design content that is inclusive and does tell real stories is basically like the direction that we're trying to go in but it always has to be with the right people who are willing to say you know what we would like to say in that candid like non-perfectionist way
0: Totally. And I'm sure that makes it hard in some ways because you're like, there are these brands who want to work with this platform and want to work with you. But it's like at the same time, you have to make sure it's the right fit. So when you're doing a partnership with someone like Nike, like what exactly did that look like? It was
1: actually the perfect partnership. I could not have like literally could not have asked for more. So basically they like asked us who the models we'd like to work with are and that was really great because we got to like set the standard like these are the people you need to use in this campaign and we source from our community so it's really cool it's just kind of like we have a lot of people on the Instagram like we really do see it as a community a lot of people who swipe up a lot or like comment a lot or who like we've even had like, we even have a group chat of like plus size models who like are all really close and found each other through Unplugged's community. Um, And so whenever we have like a brand come to us or Nike come to us, we said, okay, we want to use these models, one. Two, we, they were like, okay, let's interview you. So like they interviewed Zara and I who like, we tend to stay behind the scenes, especially when it comes to like representation. Whenever we have the opportunity to like put people in campaigns who literally just have never been like who have never been in certain campaigns and we like put them in but at the end of the day zara and i know exactly what it is that unplugged stands for so while they the models we had were the physical representation we got to set the standard for like this is exactly what we want the campaign to say. So we spoke a lot about like intuitive movement and intuitive eating with Nike. And so like they put our words under like the pictures of the models and kind of got to have that like collective experience. And it wasn't just like one face, but like this whole kind of like ecosystem. And we got to also create content at home. So, yeah, I mean, a a lot of different elements, but I, I loved it.
0: That's so cool. Especially that a brand like Nike is taking on those kind of conversations where we're talking about things like intuitive eating and like moving because you want to, not because you hate your body and it's punishment. Yeah. And when we see big brands take things like that on, they are the example. I mean, Nike's one of the biggest brands in the world, not even just yeah. the U.S. Yeah. So when they are taking that on, I think other people will too, which I think is amazing. And that kind of leads me into another question surrounding like perfectionism when it comes to body image you brought up these plus size models that have found each other through the unplug which i think is so cool and i'm seeing more and more representation in campaigns every day like it's mind-boggling because if you even look at 10 years ago when i first made an instagram i didn't even know the term plus size model yeah and i'm seeing models that don't even you know of course there's like beautiful ashley graham who's like tall but like kind of has like a flat stomach but now we're seeing like noticeably a plus size like i am not the quote unquote ideal body type looking fabulous. Mm-hmm. But how of like that how is that conversation going? Like when you address it on Unplugged and we're talking about body image when it comes to perfectionism, like what are the main things you're reminding the audience and kind of what is the rhetoric around that?
1: oh well, that's a really good question. I think for us there is no ideal body. And that's like super important because I think that even like there's just something about the way that the world functions right now that like tries to hold on to or grab on something that's standard and something that's perfect and I don't think it's something I think it's like historically I think there's a lot of reasons but I think it's really easy especially in the plus size model world to be like well this is a new standard it's the like hourglass figure and that's the plus size standard and then we need to like aspire to that and I think I don't even think I mean, my opinion is that like they should just be models. And I think that a model is just someone who is literally like wearing the clothes that you're like putting the product in. I don't think it should be someone who is like quote unquote more beautiful or like more attractive. And so I guess that's that's the way that we try to approach it is like, every body is valid and there's like a person in there and there's like a person who's deserving of care and that's why you should take care of yourself not because you're 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 a bad bitch not because like you're (laughs) an hourglass figure like you should you should take care of yourself or use this product or be a model of this or be a model of that because like you matter and so do the people around you
0: has unplugged changed how you use your own social media i think Having all this this new insight has made it more fun to post, I'm not going to lie, because it used to be like, well, I can't post this because I don't look good in this or my arm looks big in this. But now I kind of just, I feel like, especially in quarantine, I I tweeted once, like, I'm using my Instagram like a finsta. Like, I don't really care anymore. (laughs) So has it changed now that you've let some of that go and you're educating the masses about it? Do you use your own social media in a different way?
1: I'm trying. (laughs) i'm trying um it used to be a lot more perfection and when it comes to perfectionism i am like classic perfectionist so you know like i'm this is not something that as you said like i'm authority on and like i know more and everyone else needs to follow suit like i am such a perfectionist to the point where it is grueling and the only thing that has ever blown up or like not the only thing but like it's interesting because unplug is the only thing i've ever done where i didn't have a perfectionist attitude towards it because there is nothing i i was creating something new there was nothing to compare it to but like i'm a musician i play guitar if it's not perfect i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna post it i'm not gonna sing it even on the unplug page like i will sit down and look at a graphic for seven hours before posting it like perfectionism is is unfortunately something i really 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 struggle with but um i've been trying to do to do different things been trying to post differently and i think that's like a good way to to drive home this point that like until The institute until institutions and just like the collective society let's go of perfectionism there will always be benefits for the individual to be perfect and to try and aspire to perfection because i know that if i have a perfect instagram grid that might get me more partnerships than posting random shit and unfortunately it's really hard to let go of that when there's like material capital like you know benefits but i also know the benefits or yeah the benefits that posting more freely does have on my mental health it genuinely does so like it's it's a toss-up
0: right it's a balance that is like the perfect sentiment right like as long as the masses still believe in perfectionism there's always going to be a reward for the individuals and I think that's why we do it I think so many people white black any other race are like I don't actually want to do this like when I talk to my friends about their obsession or like you know, with work, I mean, I work in a very type A like environment. I work in tech. And so people are smart and went to Ivy Leagues and and are very much into being perfectionist. And you're like, we don't, none of us want to do it. Like I'll be in a meeting and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so stressed about this. And they're like, a, a friend might tell me, oh, let it go, Shelby. And then next week I'm like, you need to let it go. But it's like the same, we're praised for it. I'm literally like going to get it an a on my adult report card when Absolutely. it comes to review season because i was perfect or close to perfect Absolutely. so i think that is like oh uh, that's just like a, a perfect point it won't it won't go away until the masses decide to like kind of disassemble this the situation
1: but i actually think that we will and that's like the hope that i get is like gen z is fucking on to something because social media just has allowed us to connect so much across so many spaces that we're all like hey this doesn't actually make sense like it's like the (laughs) it's all of these people who were, like, ostracized and disconnected are able to connect now, whether it's, like, through mental health TikTok or, like, Black Twitter, like, whatever it is, like, and we're all just, like, hmm, like, a lot of these things that we've been doing don't really add up. And, like, that could be something as simple as, like, a 9 to 5. Like, I don't actually see 9 to 5s continuing for, like, the next, I mean, maybe, but I, I genuinely think that in the next 10 to 15 years, they won't be the same or like even working in person like I know you're going back into work but I do think like remote work will start to be a thing too and like just the the standards that that have been set I think are shifting and I think while they shift will also shift like our expectations of people which is kind of exciting very exciting I
0: think it's so exciting and you're right I think it'll all shift I think there's a tension I've had this conversation so many times about like when can I quit my nine to five? Like I have a friend who she wants to start a podcast about retiring early. Like it's yeah. essentially like, how do I become work optional and live this life where like, I only work really when I have to. And I think there is such a craving for us not to have these nine to five jobs where we answer emails, but a lot of it is just rooted in capitalism. Like there are things I like about my nine to five, but it's rooted in capitalism. It's the I get every two weeks. Yeah. It's the benefits. <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the That's kind cool. of the bragging rights of what company you're at. Like, it, if we dismantled the system, mm-hmm. none of that would matter. If we had universal health care, I always say how many people wouldn't work. Because mm-hmm. also, like, I, won't, I wouldn't have healthcare, So, like, That's so you like work. You, Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all that. I have um, a bonus question for you that really isn't rooted in perfectionism, but I'm so <laughs> curious. So there's all this, like, Gen Z TikTok. I'm obsessed with TikTok. I'm on it all the time. There's all this stuff like millennials shouldn't be doing and we're not cool. And then there's that use of the word Shugi. What do we think? What do we, and by we, I mean you. What do you think about that word? And also, what do you think about like millennials versus Gen Z? Like that whole TikTok drama.
1: I don't know if this is like me outing myself as like a millennial Gen Z cusp. Because I don't know what the word Shugi means. But. Oh my God what i will say like i was born in 98 so i'm 23. i mean i'm 22 but i'm turning 23 this year and i'm pretty sure that's like on the cusp i don't i'm like i don't know when millennial starts but i'm like whatever but yeah what does the word mean
0: chugi means essentially like anything that's like cheesy that millennials do it's like kind of like not cool Uh, and so for example like Mm -hmm. something that would be chuggy in people's houses where they have those like live laugh love decorations or like (laughs) which i mean as a millennial i personally hate but that's just like (laughs) it's not my thing it's not my thing um or like something that would be chuggy is like velour like juicy couture velour sweatsuits basically anything we thought was cool Mm-hmm. is chugy. so it's it's actually hilarious because i'll have to send you a video after this yeah all these videos like everything that we liked in childhood choogy not cool like gen z's like you guys part your hair down the middle not cool oh God, Skinny that's jeans. so
1: fucking lame I, no i've seen those no i've <laughs> yes. seen those i'm here now no i think that's so fucking lame i'm so sorry like i like i get like reinventing the wheel but also like fashion all of these things are like cyclical so i'm just kind of like yeah maybe not the live laugh love thing but like i still part my hair down the middle and like maybe skinny jeans suck i do think skinny jeans suck but they'll probably come back like just slow your roll like like i'm just kind of like will be the like corny people eventually so like get over yourself but
0: oh yeah i totally agree i think what gen z is getting right is they're outspoken and they're like into the news and they're talking about topics we never would but like if they keep coming for our fashion i'll scream because i mean like i said you guys are not you're gonna you can only be the youngest for so long new people are born every day yeah (laughs) so one day it'll be you who they're making fun of
1: absolutely i was 18 like two minutes ago like i'm like what's happening
0: I am really afraid to say out loud that I was 18 almost 10 years ago. My 28th, my 28th birthday is in 10 days. So 10 is the theme Amazing. here. Amazing. And yikes. That's a big yikes. And you just said you were born in 1998? Yeah. I mean, I'm not that old. I was born in 1993. Yeah. But it's, it's still like, this. Is, it's just very wild. But thank you so much for doing this with me, Amanda. I love talking okay. to you. You More just time. shared... So many amazing things. I can't wait to even hear the conversations that jog around this episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I love talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Define Normal. If you like the episode or have any feedback for me, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Define Normal. See you next week.